the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. George Brockler back with you here. Final hour of the show before we turn it over to the national guys from 10 until, candidly, 6 a.m. tomorrow when I'm back in the saddle here. Uh, Sands Billy. So this is it. This is your last chance. If you're going to get digs in it, Billy, text now. I'm kidding. Uh, my thanks to Kent Theory in the last hour. I thought that was a fascinating topic. One that's not going to only not disappear. It's going to be something that shows up on the ballot and could fundamentally change the way we conduct elections in the state of Colorado. Uh, pleased to bring up on the VIP line, friend of the show, friend of mine. His name is Dustin Zvonik. He is an at-large member of the Aurora City Council. Sir, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Now, listen, first things first, uh, uh, personally, um, you just got done running the Houston Marathon. You had a specific goal in mind. Tell us what that was, and did you achieve it? Uh, I did. I had a, well, yes and no. I had two specific goals. One was to qualify for the Boston Marathon, and I did achieve, well, I, I ran a qualifying time. I also wanted to run it a little bit faster than I did, um, but just uh, didn't have it that day. But nevertheless, uh, ran it fast enough to qualify for Boston, so we'll see how that goes. What was your goal? What were you trying to hit? 3.05. I wanted to be under 3.05. And what did you get? 3.08. What an incredible slacker. What a huge disappointment you must be to yourself. <laughs> I know. To have Believe only, me, I know. To have only I... run... <laughs> 26.2 miles in three hours. Yeah. <laughs> so you put in for Boston, and when is it, and how do you know if you get picked or whatever? So uh, the the process is in September of this year, they'll open registration for next year. You have to run a qualifying time based on age, and, and old guys like me have to be under 310 as a qualifying time. Um, and then in September, we when registration opens up, we apply. There's only so many slots, and after um, – the bombing there they they scaled back the number of slots uh, and then they hold so many slots for people who raise money for big money for charities um but at that point you know there will be x amount of slots for men between 40 and 45 which that's where i would fall and if there are more of us who qualify then um then there are slots and they start ratcheting down the time and so i won't know for sure until after that process it's 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 only happened once that um you know they've had to, to reduce the time because more people qualified but it could happen again and that's the bummer then because you're close you're right up yeah. against that 310 yeah yeah, well, yeah man, I mean, 308 that's why i thought being at 305 or under would would certainly get me in um whereas 308 it's a qualifying time but we'll see why do you think you slacked no, I'm kidding. I, it's still a tremendous <laughs> no, achievement, I, 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 man. That's a, that's an important achievement. I for me, it would be, and I imagine this was true for Fields too. Finishing was the goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there. Look, it, it, running 26.2 miles. I don't care how fast you run it. Um, if you finish and and you're able to to run without stopping, um, it it is um uh, it is a big accomplishment. So, uh, regardless of of how you finish, getting there is 
something you should be proud of. Speaking of getting there, um, the city council met yesterday. A couple things happened yesterday. You swore in a new interim police chief. You can, t- you can talk about that. And then right sure. after that, you guys sat around and said, let's buy a hotel. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that part didn't just happen. That, that's been under underway. It, and going back, I, we've probably had this conversation uh, at some point on your show, talking about the, the approach that we wanted to take to dealing with homelessness and, and how we wanted to do it differently than Denver. And I know there's probably people saying, well, buying a hotel isn't different than Denver, um, but it is. Be, and we're not – the way the way the, in which we will operate um, uh, that property will not be – a um, what's going on in Denver, where they're just simply taking people off the street and putting them into rooms. The the process or the the way that we want to to run a homeless navigation campus would be more similar to the Colorado Springs Rescue Mission, and that is where part of that property would become an emergency shelter. And what that allows us to do is to enforce our camping ban and to frankly look at ways to um, even strengthen our camping ban because. Our first and foremost priority is to improve the public safety of our community, getting these encampments off the sides of our roads and just beyond fence lines and people's backyards. Like we have to be more aggressive in sweeping encampments. And, and in order to do that, um, the, the courts would require us to have a shelter option. And so having part of this, um, this new property that will become a navigation center, have that emergency shelter, that will be, that'll be step one, if you will. And step two will be, I I think we need to, as a city, start to spend over time less and less of our taxpayer resources on homelessness. In Colorado, cities aren't meant, uh, we we don't deal with health and human services or we don't have health and human services departments the way counties do. But because of the size of, of our city and the fact that we span three counties over time, the amount of money that we spend, most of it through um, supporting nonprofits that that help homelessness, we spend millions of dollars. And I want to see that decrease in time. And part of the plan with this navigation campus will be to bring on a nonprofit partner who will be aligned with our vision in terms of the way that we want the campus to run. And they'll be responsible for for fundraising. They'll be responsible for operating. They'll be responsible for pulling other nonprofit partners onto the campus um, to provide services. Um, do you have someone finally, in mind? I mean, what, what organizations we, we are do. like that that would yeah. fit that bill? So, yeah, we do. In fact, so and, and there, it's not public yet, but it will be soon. We went out with an RFP and, and asked for different providers, and there um, there were a number of them that, that stepped forward. And some of them, you know, I think were business as usual, part of what I call the homeless industrial complex, where their goal wasn't to try to move people towards self-sufficiency. But that's what our goal is. Our goal is going to be that, that people are going to have conditions and requirements um, to, to be in the transitional housing. This isn't permanent supportive housing. This isn't housing first. I think both of those, um, you know, especially housing first, has proven to be an abject failure in every city that's tried it. And so what we want to do, if you look at the ready-to-work model, that's really where the the rooms that are currently on, on the in the hotel and it's part of our navigation center – these are going to be for people who have gone through the process of going through um, and getting support, whether it's mental health support, addiction and recovery support, and are now starting to work their way towards self-sufficiency. They have employment. They will have to have some skin in the game in order to, um, uh, you know, some sort of rent. But there's got to be a plan 
in order for them to be in those rooms. And again, it's transitional, not permanent, to get them into their own place, whether that be, you know, subsidized housing or eventually market rate rent. That's what we want to help people achieve. And like I said, I, for me, the reason I, I've, I've been so supportive of this model is that the, the current um, way that, that governments have dealt with homelessness or what you're seeing in Denver is they think if they just, you know, buy hotels or if they, um, you know, have somewhere that you can take somebody off the street and put them in a room, that they're they're no longer homeless. And, and, and I don't think that they're just solving the symptom um, and not the root cause. And, and so we want to have a program that is going to have preconditions and requirements, um, and we can do that. And we're not going to compromise the way we run the program, which is why the operator um, and who we pick to be the operator will be critical. We're talking with Dustin Zvonik. He's an Aurora City Councilman discussing the hotel that they purchased. Remind us again where it is and what the capacity is. It is chambers and uh i-70 ish um yeah and yeah and it's it it was a convention center so the reason that 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 property we originally we had talked about potentially building something from the ground up so that would be similar to colorado springs and one of the things that i the reason why i like the colorado springs model run by a former air force general that you know has an incredible track record of of getting people off the streets and moving them towards self-sufficiency is that it is a treatment first or a work first model, not housing first. And as you recall, we went, uh, members of council, we went and visited the Haven for Hope in San Antonio. There was a group of us that went to Houston to see their housing first model. And then of course, Colorado Springs. I think that there are uh, the majority of the elements that are found in the Colorado Springs model. um, This, particular property allows us to replicate that. And I think it also allows us to do things that are different. So for instance, while people are participating in whatever treatment it is that they they need in order to, again, on their path toward self-sufficiency, whatever treatments they're participating in, what we want to do is bring partners onto the campus that can give them training skills, whether that's, you know, in, in Colorado Springs, they actually have a catering business where they teach people and give them the skills to go and work in the hospitality industry. There are a number of industries like that. We want to give people the, um, the, not just the treatments they need, but also uh, you know, the, the workforce development training so that when they get into that next level of transitional housing and are out in the workforce, they can then transition back into society as a functioning member of society. Because again, for us, it's not just we want to get them off the street and use you know, whether it be donor dollars to the nonprofits or taxpayer dollars to the cities and counties to house people, we want to help improve, you know, their their situation. And again, this this allows us to make Aurora a place where you can't camp because we have a facility um, where where you would you would go and we can uh, put some some tighter uh, and stricter laws around um, trespassing in order to you know to strengthen our um, our camping ban and, 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 and even look at things like currently we have a three day notice, Colorado Springs does it 24 hour notice. These are the things I'd like to do because, because of the, the ultimately by, by being more aggressive and saying, Hey, look, you, you don't have to go to, we can't force anybody to go to our facility, but we can make it, make it, make sure that it is not convenient and comfortable to be camping, um, in Aurora. This is very much the, uh, that song, 
you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, right? <laughs> like right, um, the right. two hundred and fifty-five room hotel. It, did you guys settle on a on a purchase price? Like I saw twenty six point five million dollars. Have you guys agreed yeah. upon something? That's, yep, yeah, that's that was the agreed a purchase price, and then we'll have to do some um, retrofitting. And so the way that it's being purchased is that the state um, had received federal dollars in order to uh, look at some of these nav- regional navigation centers is, are, is what they're calling them. Um, so we applied for the grant through the state in order to, to have one of the um, facilities in Aurora. Um, and then we, along with the counties, um, put forward the funds to on the capital side. Now, when it comes to operational, that's where we, are, we put out an RFP and, and have landed on a potential operator um, to come in and, and we'll oversee the operations and, like I said, be responsible for raising the resources necessary to operate it. Um, I'm certain, just as, as the Colorado Springs Rescue Mission receives some funding from the city, that this um, center will receive money from Adams County, from Arapahoe County. I would imagine even Douglas County would be willing to because they deal with, you know, their, um, a much smaller um, homeless challenge, but but it still exists. And this would be a place where, um, you know, they, they, they could uh, participate in the operation costs at a low level and, and have some place to, to send their, their homeless. A couple texters have already texted in something, and that is, is this going to be a, shelter's maybe too light of a word, but an operation that is open to asylum seekers, illegal immigrants, yeah. or is uh, it just going to be documented, regular law-abiding folks who are you- homeless? You have to have an ID to get in, and but but I'll be, look. Here's one of my concerns: um, our, the migrant issue that, that we're facing in in the Denver metro area because of the sanctuary city policies of the city of Denver are a huge problem, and and this is something that um, you know worries me. As you talk about the growing number of homeless, we have a situation where people are being bussed into the city of Denver. Uh, the, the mayor of Denver is, is going out and contracting with um, hotel operators. Um, that, in, Aurora. You know, private business in Aurora. In Aurora, right. In Aurora, which we can't, there's nothing that we can do from a government standpoint because it's a private business. Yeah. And, um, and, and so there he's, he's putting them in these hotel rooms, but they're, they're not given the ability to work in the country, which obviously makes sense. But what are they going to do? So you're, you're, what I'm, my big concern is that this is going to lead to, um, you know, not just the people who are already predisposed to be criminals coming into our country, which is a huge problem, but when you put families in this country and say, hey, by the way, you can't work while you're here, yeah, you make them what desperate. do you think they're going to do? You make them desperate. Yeah. You make property crimes, retail theft, which is already a huge problem. I mean, this is where, I, you know. I, I wish that the city of Denver would be doing a hell of a lot more than they're doing currently to put pressure on the Biden administration to do something about this problem because Denver's causing a problem for the entire metro region uh, spilling over into Aurora. And it is going to create issues as we try to deal with our own homeless issues that we have. But this is an ongoing issue with Denver. Every time Denver catches cold, the rest of the metro area gets cancer and dies. I mean, like every policy they have, like, let's leave car thieves on the street. Let's take Phil Weiser at his advice and allow them to steal three or four cars before you start locking them up. They don't just hang out in Denver stealing cars. They come into Aurora. They come into Arapahoe County and Douglas and 
Um, so that's crazy, and I really think that what Denver ought to do is something they can't do, and that is to announce we're no longer a sanctuary city. Please stop sending us people, Greg Abbott. Um, another question yeah. with this, who provides the security for this place? Yeah, that will be something that, so in, in all of the other uh, facilities, so in Colorado Springs, and, and I would encourage anybody who really is interested in this, contact General Briggs down in, in Colorado Springs and go and check out the way that that shop is run. Um, but they have, uh, you know, private security that is uh, you you go in and out with a, you know, an, an ID. Um, there's metal detectors. I've, I've visited that campus a number of times just to really understand its impact, because this is a this is a big expense, a big capital expense. And I know I can say, oh, there's only so much of it that's coming from Aurora, but it doesn't matter. It's taxpayer dollar, whether it's state, federal, doesn't matter. It's taxpayer dollars. And so I wanted to understand exactly how how the the. Um, that the campus could work, the navigation campus could work. And, and so security is going to be important. Um, and, and that will be something that the operator will have to put into place and it'll be part of the operating budget. You know, illegals in Colorado now can get driver's licenses or IDs and all that other stuff. Is that sufficient to put the, the hotel on notice that maybe this person isn't good for the program? Yeah, the one other thing with the, the migrants typically, and then there's that most of them are being uh, a lot of there are a lot of families, and this campus is not going to this is really going to be for non families, um, and so there there is this foolproof uh, against people abusing it and being um, somebody here in the country illegally and, and has a, an ID because of our state laws. No, it's not. Um, uh, you know, there there are really two problems that we're uh, that were that are compounding them or that are going to be compounding this. It's first the um, you know the migrant issue and the number of people who are going to be here. And after their two weeks of living in a hotel, which is all that they're going to have, um, you know, from Denver, then what? So that that becomes a huge issue. Um, and then just the, the the growing number of of homelessness and the fact that Denver has no plan to deal with them other than to to hide them, you know, temporarily in order to meet some arbitrary campaign promise number. We're going to hide them and, and, and not actually and say, hey, look, there are services available, but if you participate, great. If you don't, no big deal. That's going to be um, much different than the program we're going to to um, run at, at, at the Navigation Center. People are – there is going to be an expectation and a requirement to participate in programs and have a path towards self-sufficiency. Or like you said, you don't have to go home. But you, gotta, you can't stay here. Hey, can I ask about that one follow-up before we get to the other law enforcement piece I wanted to talk to you about? And that is – with the current three-day notice, the one you want to get to, like the Springs, the 24-hour notice, if they don't, if they don't avail themselves of the opportunity for this soon-to-be former Crown Plaza property, do they get hooked up, or do we just pick them up and drop them off at the governor's mansion? I mean, what do we do? Yeah, that's right. There's going to have to be um, some – we are looking at and exploring different ways um, to strengthen uh, using trespassing codes. Um, the camping ban. And, 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 and we're also looking at, you know, different, um, I think it's Broomfield, but the mayor and uh, one of my colleagues, Councilmember Sundberg, went and looked at a, a court that dealt directly with um, these types of, of cases. So we are going to, we, we've heard loud and clear from our residents that, that homelessness is something they want to see, that they don't want to see <laughs> it, uh, on the sides of our roads, you know, next to Cherry Creek Park or under the, um, you know, the 225 corridor viaduct anymore and so we're going to we're exploring every option to strengthen the camping ban and to look at different ways to make sure that people will be moved out of the city 
um, whether they go to the, the navigation center or they're just forced to go somewhere else. Fascinating. Uh, another question, though, I wanted to follow up. It looks like uh, Art Acevedo has self-deported to Texas uh, instead of stay on as the chief. Uh, where are we in the process of replacing him and then finding someone permanent? Yeah, so obviously Deputy Chief Morris will uh, is now interim chief, as you mentioned yesterday. She she was actually sworn in. She will she'll take over. I mean, this is um, you know fairly typical in, in departments of having the deputy chief step in as the interim. Um, whether or not Deputy Chief Morris or interim Chief Morris is the long term solution, and I think that's to be determined. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, she she definitely has the experience and the background to be. Um, and is she the right person? I think that that's time will tell. We'll, we will, um, you know, in, in time, we'll open up and, and do another national search. It'll probably look different than than the, than the last one. Um, what, one of the things that, that I learned, I think we all learned, is that there are just, it is a tough time to find chiefs. Um, it's just a tough time to get people Why in the lockdown. Why is that? Why is it so tough? I, I think it's a couple of reasons. One, that if, if you're already a, a big city chief, the whole public process that's required through most of these executive searches puts on notice to your bosses that you're looking for other jobs. And if you're, let's say you're, you're a top number two and in a, a department, it's the same thing. And so we're looking at doing it in a different way where there would be some more kind of behind the scenes conversations and vetting that would take place before we would get to that. We would want to get them pretty far down the process um, before we would publicly say, Hey, this we're you know, kicking the tires on this person. Um, and and uh, they're just, you know, with the, the state of law enforcement over the last four or five years, it's just it is tougher to find chiefs. Um, and that being said, I, I believe we'll, we'll find, you know, a good chief. And it, and it very well could be, um, you know, interim chief Moore. She might be the, the right fit. But one of the things I believe more than anything that we need in this department right now is, is a, a stability and a steady hand. He needs to be. Uh, somebody yeah. yeah. Somebody's going to be here for a long time. Do you have a date? in your mind that you want to get this thing wrapped up by? I know sometimes the process itself dictates that, but when you look at the calendar, I want to have a chief in place by blank. Yeah, no, I, as soon as possible. I talked to the city manager yesterday. We had um, council and then, and yesterday we talked about, he's going to bring to council um, early next month, which is now just a week away. He's going to be bringing forward a proposed process for us to, to start um, recruiting and vetting candidates um, and, and I think that more importantly, you know, with, I think that this is of any hire, it doesn't matter if it's the chief of police or a city manager, or I don't care what business you're in, you, it's better to take your time and hire the right person than to rush, um, and hire somebody wrong and, and then have to just replace them. So, you know, it, I think that, um, while I would want somebody in as soon as possible, and I, and I think that, the, you know, the men and women of our department deserve to know who their chief is, not just interim, but permanent chief. For a long time, I think more importantly is make sure we get the decision right. Denver's exploring whether they can hire migrants to give them jobs while Washington, D.C. tries to dither and figure out how to make this matter worse. Do you see Aurora ever going down that road? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We're not going to participate in any way. I mean, Denver, I don't know why, how they can't see how this doesn't make the problem worse. I mean, if that's what they're going to do, don't you think they're going to end up being a magnet for, for more of the yeah. migrants coming here? Or they're not going to be Greg Abbott and, anymore. <laughs> no, no, they're going to, they're going to self-select to come here. I mean, you know, there, it seems like they can't help, but try to make the problems worse. Um, and, and so Aurora absolutely will not, um, would not do that. And, and, 
we we will not have not spent any taxpayer resources um, towards you know trying to to help um, the the mayor of Denver and, and the problem that he's creating for for the city. Dustin Zvonik, he is the Boston qualifying Aurora City Councilman. Uh, man, thanks for taking time out of your morning to uh, give us a call and chat us through this. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. If any of this stuff changes or you guys decide to also purchase, I don't know, an NFL team or something like that, I don't know that you have the funds, would you please come back on and let us know? No answer. That's it. Sounds like sounds like Dustin just punched out. And I think I'll do the same thing after I tell you about the best kept secret in your house might be in the cabinets. You keep thinking I'm running out of space. I'm I, maybe I need to get less stuff or get a bigger house. You don't need any of that. What you need is Brent and Joyce Tolliver with Roll 'Em Out Shelves. You can check out everything they have to offer at RollEmOutShelves.com. You can get to see their long-term permanent employees, not subcontractors, doing the great work in houses all over the metro area. They've been in my house. They measured a bunch of stuff right now trying to figure out which ones would be best served by getting those special Roll-Em-Out shelves that make everything so accessible, so functional in a way that I just really hadn't considered before. Kitchen, bathroom, laundry room basement i guess if you have them garage if you have them they can do all sorts of things with the technology and stuff that they employ check them out today at rollemoutshelves.com m is e m rollemoutshelves.com book your free in-home estimate today at 303-475-9601 303-475-9601 stick around we'll get to your calls what do you think about this is Aurora on the right path? Do you support $26.5 million? I get it. There's some funding here from there and the feds and all this other stuff to buy a hotel for the purposes that Councilman Zvonik described. Give us a call at 303-696-1971. George Brockler, 710 KNUS. KN My thanks to Dustin Zvonik. He is the at-large Aurora City Councilman. <laughs> who just spent time talking to us about the purchase of this 255-room Crown Plaza Hotel up there near the northern part of Aurora, the border that runs up against Denver, as an answer, or a partial answer, I guess, to dealing with the homeless problem that is everywhere. A couple thoughts about this, because some of these texts have come in here, too, and I'm anxious to hear about your thoughts at 303-696-1971. Do you support this approach? Is this the right way to go about this? I think there's some out there who are like, screw the migrants, screw the homeless, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I'm just not sure that's the answer for everyone, and I, I don't know that the city's in a position to just do that. Where do we put them? So there's this $26.5 million property that gets purchased. And what I like about the approach is that it's not housing first which is what the far lefties do. They, they feel like, hey, if you could just feel safe and in a secure place, then you'll go out there and find a job and be more likely to engage in rehabilitation. And I think that every single place that has ever been tried in America, it has been a failure. Instead, what works is to say, work first, rehabilitation first, drug recovery first. We can provide housing, but the first thing, the priority has to be to address the issues that led you to be homeless in the first place. And you weren't homeless just because you lost your home. There's a reason you lost the home. There's a reason you fell out of whatever support safety net that you had. 
probably drugs, probably mental illness, could be sloth, by the way. And for those who think that there's this great nobility in all of this home, some of them just choose to be it because they don't want to engage in the rat race. So be it. I don't think we owe them anything ever. I think you want to live in the wilderness, go be in the wilderness, right? But I like the approach because it's work first. I also like that this is, again, another example of how local government can be this, I don't know, guinea pig, this test site, this opportunity for us to try a different method of solving this problem and then measure it against the one right next door, right in Denver, and see which one works best. I got a feeling if this one is run the way, and I think they're trying to do this, that General Briggs is doing it down in the Springs, you're going to see great success. And remember what we're seeing out of Aurora in terms of the efforts that they've made to go after car thieves and retail thieves. I like where Aurora is here. They're not following Denver. Hell, it looks like they're running away from Denver. Problem here is some of the success that Aurora may achieve gets blunted, muted a bit, if you will, because of Denver's failures. Someone's going to be hard-pressed to answer the question, here's what Denver does really well. Fill in the blank. I think there's going to be a growing issue here about the, uh, you know, we, we talk about taxation without representation. How about the tax that is placed on Aurora, the rest of Arapahoe, Jeffco, Adams, Douglas, the tax that is imposed by the failed policies, criminal justice and social by Denver? The mistakes they make, we all pay for. And yet we can't vote to replace the clowns that put these things in place. That's not fair because we end up having to pay a higher tax. Once again, as Colorado circles the drain, it will be Denver that leads the charge because the entire legislative effort is focused on Denver and Boulder, the Denver-Boulder corridor. The rest of the suburbs are barely tolerable. The rurals, they'd love to release enough wolves that there are no rurals anymore. Everybody's forced. There's like a handful of, I don't know, farmers, solar-powered um, agricultural operations that use no water but produce all the marijuana and food that we need. No beef. We don't need beef. Cows produce a lot of gas. All of this flows from this ridiculous thought process that comes out of living in what I think these people perceive to be the crown jewel of Denver, I mean of Colorado, that Denver's the epitome of Colorado. It doesn't even represent Colorado. Denver's a teeny tiny spot on a giant state. But this is the goal that they're, and I, I want to see Aurora win to perhaps put pressure on Denverites to acknowledge that their path is the wrong path. I mean, this is to some extent for Aurora, you know, a, a path split there in the woods and I took the one less traveled by and it's made all the difference. That's Aurora. 303-696-1971. Here's a text. If they receive federal money, that's probably going to have strings tied to it. It might, it might, but I don't think that Dustin and Danielle and the beard and the rest of them would would go down this road if they didn't feel like they had the flexibility to put in place the policies that they think will best 
I think, help guide some of these homeless folks to not just be not homeless for a moment, which he described the approach that Denver's taking, which is, hey, if we take you off the streets, you're not homeless anymore. What a Band-Aid for a sucking chest wound. Aurora says, I'm not going to give you fish. I'm going to teach you to fish. Where have we heard that before? That seems to be what we're talking about. Here's another. I hope it's being used for homeless citizens, not asylum seekers. Hell, let's call them what they are, illegals. I'm all for it. Glad to hear treatment is a requirement. One thing. Asylum seekers are not illegals. Once the government, whether we agree or disagree that they should be considered asylum seekers, once they cross the border and they're given that CFB or CFP1 or whatever it is with that stamp of approval from Uncle Sam and the court date years down the road, they're here legally. It doesn't change the impact that they have on society. It doesn't change the impact that they have on our uh, safety net and the other support services. They're not illegals. There is a difference between someone who goes through the process and is allowed in, even on the weak standards that the Biden administration sets, and people who just simply say, I don't care, and break into the country. There's a complete difference. Another text. The problem is, George, this attracts homeless people. They probably come from all over the western United States. When they hear about that, they can get everything for free here. They're not getting everything for free here. You know what I mean? They're not getting everything for free here. There's requirements. This is why it might be harder for them to get engaged with Aurora. Because Aurora is saying, we're not just giving you a free lunch. That's not how it works. You're going to do stuff so that we don't have to care for you anymore. We're not looking to provide long-term housing for you. We're looking to help you to help yourself and then get the hell out. Go be part of the community somewhere. Denver is like... Let's just work on our numbers and we'll sustain your existence. Maybe you'll get treatment. Maybe you'll get a job. But either way, we'll always be here for a couple nights in some place warm with three hots and a cot. 303-696-1971. More texts that are coming in here. Um, Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, but here's one. Yeah, but when they get the hell out, they're still hanging around the Denver area. They might, but just stay in Denver. Another text, I pray Aurora did not take Fed money to purchase that hotel. There was something about federal funds that the state got, that the state then I think becomes the administrator for those funds. I don't think it's a direct pass-through from the feds to Aurora, but I can ask Councilman Zavonik about that. Uh, More texts, Georgie, may I correct you on your comment on what Denver and Decay does well? Well, we attract homeless, illegals, drug addicts people who don't want to work free living on the back of taxpayers. I can keep going. (laughs) I get it. Yeah, they do do some things well. And I just said, do do they do do some things well, but, um, not the stuff you want them to be good at. I mean, I just, I don't understand it. I, I don't understand why if you're in Denver, you vote for this year in and year out and look at each other and say, not bad. I just, how is it the marijuana? What what causes you to sit there and think, I like it here. This is pretty good. This is we're headed in the right direction. Another text. Good morning, fellas from Nebraska. You know what? Colorado's getting a taste of what they voted for. The Democrats wanted them here. So there you go. And why the hell should the border states be the only ones that have to put up with it? You're absolutely right. And we've been saying that repeatedly now. This issue would not be at the level it is but for Greg Abbott. This dude is an unsung hero. 
I know he's vilified by the lefties who are in charge of the big urban centers, but it's just so fascinating, funny, if you will, to watch cities that many, many miles from the border and the issues surrounding uh, the border proudly proclaim they are sanctuary cities to absorb the tens of people that come into their city each year. It's, you know, immigrants is what makes the country great. Diversity is its own strength. All of that stuff. And then when Greg Abbott says, oh, do you like uh, apples? How about these apples? And they get bushels full. Then they're pulling out their hair screaming foul. You can't do that. It's not fair. That's the only reason I agree um, with Jacqueline. That, that is exactly what's going on here. But I like Aurora's approach, and I like the idea that they're going to try to set up a way to say, nope, we're not going to host illegals here. If you're in the country without permission, we're not using Aurora taxpayer dollars to put you into this system. How successful they'll be, I don't know. I don't know, maybe. 303-696-1971, another, um, if they build it, they will come. That's that same sentiment. I I worry about that, too. If you got a great thing going, will people come? But honestly, if they show up in Aurora, and after, I don't know how I'm making this up, a couple weeks, a month or so, they become self-sufficient-ish, and they're able to leave and go on and do something else or prosper at some level that doesn't require city or state intervention, isn't that a win? Maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. 303-696-1971 is the number. Uh, let me tell you about Dan Kaplis. Dan Kaplis, Bob Wahid, super attorneys, I tell you about them all the time. I share with you the anecdotes of uh, some of the stuff I encountered while working for Dan. I can't believe I'm saying this. Is it 18 years ago? Seventh, I mean, what has happened? That guy looks the same. I look like Dan's older, shorter, less wealthy brother. Um, probably look older than Bobber, too, because Bobber's a kid. But Bobber's been doing this now for all of those years because I did Bobber's first trial. If you're hurt, doesn't have to be motor vehicle accident, but that happens a lot, right? Like if you're hurt by an individual trucking company, hell, it's, it could be at a business. You could be at your place of business. Dan represented some of those folks that got uh, really seriously hurt by that escalator malfunction at uh, Coors Field some years back. If you've got a righteous case, you can go all over the Internet trying to find something. You can try to find someone on a billboard or on a bus or on a park bench or a train. Or you can just dial 303-770-5551. And get the man himself, 303-770-5551. It's not about the money Dan can put in his pocket. It never has been. It doesn't cost you a cent for him to represent you. You don't have to go out of pocket. Dan's reward is helping those who are hurt. And he just takes a percentage of whatever that recovery of justice is he can get for you. That's a great incentive, right? Like you want that person's incentive to be something like you grow the pie for me, your pie piece gets That's exactly how contingency fees work. And that's why Dan does it. That's why Bobber does it. Check him out at dancaplislaw.com. That's Kaplis, C-A-P-L-I-S, dancaplislaw.com. Once again, you can call him, set up an appointment, 303-770-5551, 303 Five one. When we come back, your texts, your calls at 303-696-1971, and we'll wrap up the show. It's George Brockler, 710 KNUS.
George Brocker back with you here, 710 KNUS, beginning of the new year, beginning of the new you. If you're a man of a certain age and you've lost that joie de vivre, that spring in your step, you're having trouble. I feel like I'm describing me here. Uh, Rocky Mountain Men's Clinic has that solution. There's no shame in it. There are so many men that have benefited from this. I told you earlier in the week about a friend of mine, one of the dads uh, from the baseball team, who talks about his coworker whose life was completely improved, turned around from Rocky Mountain Men's Clinic. Take that low-T quiz on their website, RockyMountainMensClinic.com. RockyMountainMensClinic.com. Ten questions, true, false. There are no wrong answers. It's not like you can do how I did in aerospace engineering. You can uh, actually find out if you're eligible for this treatment when you are, if you are. Call them at 720-440-7900, 720-440-7900. Visit is free when you sign up with them. 99 bucks if you go. But once you hear what they can do for you, you agree to do the treatment that 99 bucks gets rolled into the cost of the treatment, and it ends up becoming free. Check them out at RockyMountainMensClinic.com. Going right to the phone lines. Jay, you're on 710 KNUS. Jay, what do you think? I got a question for you, which I can't find the answer to. Oh, you really called and the wrong I'm place, getting... but let's, let's take a shot at it. No, you're a wise man. You're a very wise man. I'm just a farmer, a rancher, a truck driver. I ain't, no, I can't go to the sky like Same. you can. But what do you got? It's, okay, so I can't get these people to call, quit calling me for all this medical stuff. So I'll get like eight or ten phone calls a day, and they're all from a from different who? number. What's it about? Do you have Do you have Medicaid red and blue? Do you have? And it's just a constant, and the, all the numbers are a different number. You call back, and it says the number does not exist. And then when you talk to somebody, then it's. Da, da, da. They just hang up on you. Weird. Who is doing this, and how do I get to the bottom of it? Because I can't even find who yeah. it is. That's my problem. Yeah, Jay, I can't B- find Billy's going to put you on hold, this. Jay. B- Billy's got an answer for you, Jay, but w- we got to cut away. Billy, how much time we got, my man? 13 seconds is only enough to say thanks to my great guest, Mike Lynch, Kent Theory, Dustin Zvonik, and you. Your text, your calls. We'll be back tomorrow. George Brockler, 710 KNUS. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.